Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Platform Sutra of Wineng, Eno Daikon Zenji. Meditation and Wisdom. Good friends, this Dharma teaching of mine is based on samadhi and prajna, meditation and wisdom. But don't make the mistake of thinking that samadhi and prajna are separate. Meditation and wisdom are of one essence and not two. Samadhi is the body of prajna and prajna is the function of samadhi. Wherever you find wisdom, you find meditation. And wherever you find meditation, you find wisdom. Good friends, what this means is that meditation and wisdom are the same. Fellow students of the way, be careful. Don't think that samadhi comes first and then gives rise to prajna, or that prajna comes first and then gives rise to samadhi, or that meditation and wisdom are separate. For those who hold such views, the Dharma is dualistic. If the mouth speaks of goodness, but the mind doesn't think of goodness. Meditation and wisdom aren't the same. But if goodness pervades both the mouth and the mind, if what is external and internal are alike, then meditation and wisdom are the same. The cultivation of self-awareness does not involve argument. People who argue about which comes first and which comes second only confuse themselves. Unless you put an end to right and wrong, you will give rise to self-existent dharmas and you will never be free of the four states. One practice samadhi means at all times, whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down, always practice with a straightforward mind. The Vimalakirti Sutra says a straightforward mind is the place of enlightenment. Simply practice with a straightforward mind and don't become attached to any dharma. This is what is meant by one practice samadhi. Deluded people who cling to the external attributes of a dharma get hold of one practice samadhi and just say that sitting motionless, eliminating delusions and not thinking thoughts are one practice samadhi. 
But if that were true, a dharma like that would be the same as lifelessness and would constitute an obstruction of the way instead. The way has to flow freely. Why block it up? The way flows freely when the mind doesn't dwell on any dharma. Once it dwells on something, it becomes bound. Good friends, I know there are people who tell others to devote themselves to sitting and contemplating their minds or purity and not to move or to think. Deluded people are unaware, so they turn things upside down with their attachments. There are hundreds of such people who teach the way like this, but they are, you should know, greatly mistaken. Good friends, what are samadhi and prajna like? They're like a lamp and it's light. When there's a lamp, there's a light. When there's no lamp, there's no light. The lamp is the light's body and light is the lamp's function. They have two names, but not two bodies. This teaching concerning meditation and wisdom is also like this. Good afternoon, everyone. So the second and last day of session and talking about meditation and wisdom. Um, I, I thought I'd like to go back to the last time I addressed the Sangha and told you the story of Angulimala uh, this great Halloween story of a serial murderer. Um, because it really leads directly into the topic for today. If you listen to the last Dharma talk I gave, you may recall the details of Angulimala's life how he was born under a bad sign, how he was a gifted, talented, brilliant student and athlete, well-loved and well-respected, but other students were jealous of him and polluted the mind of his teacher, their teacher, 
with propaganda, lies, and how the teacher turned against Angulimala and gave him a request that he couldn't turn down, an order that he couldn't turn down, or that he thought that he couldn't turn down. And that order was to bring him the pinky fingers of 1,000 people and only the right hand, the pinky fingers only of the right hand of 1,000 people. And so Angulimala, born under a bad sign, became the most feared robber and murderer in the nation. Developed great fame for his cruelty and depravity. And just as he was about to complete his task of collecting the 1,000 pinky fingers, which he had strung around his neck to give to his teacher. The Buddha came in view and Angulimala decided to harvest the Buddha's finger to kill the Buddha. But no matter how fast he ran towards the Buddha, he never got any closer. The Buddha would be on the right and he'd run to the right and suddenly the Buddha would appear on the left and he'd run to the left and the Buddha would appear on the right. And in frustration, he yelled at Shakyamuni, stop, stop. How can I possibly get your finger if you won't stop? And the Buddha looked at him and said, I have stopped Angulimala. It's you who have not stopped. And those words, along with the beautiful presence of the Buddha, the serenity and peace of the Buddha, broke Angulimala's heart. And Angulimala fell at the Buddha's feet and vowed to be his disciple and to follow him the rest of his life. And for me, this is the key to what right meditation is. It's simply stopping, giving up whatever agenda you may have, giving up whatever path has led you to this moment and experiencing this moment as Buddha, 
this mind as Buddha. I was reading in the collection of Nyogen Senzaki's talks edited by Shinge Roshi, Eloquent Silence. When Nyogen Senzaki is instructing his students on Zen meditation, he says, in your meditation, you must have nothing in front, nothing in back. Blot out your hopes for the future. Cancel out your memories of the past. In this moment, there is no time, no space. There's only one eternal present. Zen calls this the moment of great death. Don't be afraid of it. You do not have to force yourself into it. If you meditate faithfully, you'll be there without self-consciousness naturally and gracefully. What beautiful instruction. You must have nothing in front, nothing in back. Blot out your hopes for the future. Cancel out your memories of the past. Just this eternal present. Stop, Angulimala. You know, we always think of koans and these stories of the days of the Buddha as being somehow remote from our own experience. And certainly not many of us can claim to be a serial killer. But all of us in our own way are born under a bad sign and all of us are prone to the same conditions and circumstances that converted this good, talented, energetic, athletic, well-respected young man into somebody feared, somebody depraved. We see the story repeated over and over again throughout history. Certainly we can look at 1930s Europe, the rise of Hitler, 
the horrible propaganda based on no reality whatsoever that fueled hatred and turned so many Germans and not just Germans, but everyone who did the Germans bidding into serial killers. Given orders, they followed the orders. And fell into depravity. And right now, in our own country, having lost an election, the man that occupies the White House right now is spreading absurd propaganda in an attempt to hold on to power. And if he succeeds, who knows what sort of depravity his followers might fall into. These stories are not dead stories. They're stories that are repeated with variations over and over again. But no matter how depraved Angulimala may have become when confronted with the truth of the Buddha, he stopped. He became a disciple of the Buddha. He became a saint revered throughout history. And so we can choose truth or we can go along we can stop And in our practice, we have to stop. In our lives, we have to stop. We have to set aside agendas. We have to set aside, as Nyogen Senzaki says, our hopes for the future and our memories of the past and touch the truth of the Buddha, which is nothing more than your own mind. The mind that is not fixated, not attached to any particular goal, 
the mind that dwells in this eternal present. Master Rinzai said, followers of the way, this thing called mind has no fixed form. And because this mind has no fixed form, it is everywhere in a state of emancipation. Why do I tell you this? because you followers of the way seem to be incapable of stopping this mind that goes rushing around everywhere, looking for something. You should stop and take a look at yourselves. Stop Angulimala. Stop with your stories of good and bad, of past and present. Stop your stories of doing good zazen and bad zazen. We go further back, several generations before Rinzai, to Eno Daikan Zenji in Chinese, Wineng, speaking of meditation and wisdom. And in the passage that I quoted to begin the Dharma talk, sometimes I said meditation, sometimes I said samadhi, sometimes I said wisdom, sometimes I said prajna. Some translations say samadhi, some translations say meditation, some translations say wisdom, some translations say prajna. I decided to split the difference and just alternate using one here and one there, but it's all the same. Ain't no like to address his assembly as good friends, which I think is a beautiful way of addressing the assembly. Good friends. This Dharma teaching of mine 
is based on samadhi and prajna, meditation and wisdom. But don't make the mistake of thinking that samadhi and prajna are separate. Meditation and wisdom are of one essence and not two. Samadhi is the body of prajna and prajna is the function of samadhi. Many, many generations later, Dogen would come to China to study Chan Zen and would bring back to Japan what he had learned in China, the Zen that he had realized and incorporated. And he would speak of practice enlightenment. His firm belief that in Zazen, you are expressing the mind of Buddha. You are already enlightened. because time in meditation is flattened. Time is being and being is time. And this mind that stops in meditation is the mind of the Buddha is the mind of wisdom. And even when you say to yourself, oh, I'm just, I'm doing terrible zazen, my mind is everywhere. All you have to do is stop. Take a breath. be with this moment. And as much as your mind may run around like a squirrel in a cage, in this moment in which you've taken this breath, this is the mind of the Buddha. The Buddha, when he looked up on the morning of December 8th and saw the morning star, said how marvelous I and all beings are enlightened from the very beginning. And that is the mind of meditation. I and all beings together from the very beginning 
to the endless end. Fellow students of the way, be careful. Don't think that samadhi comes first and then gives rise to prajna. Or that prajna comes first and then gives rise to samadhi. Or that meditation and wisdom are separate. Don't think that when you chant Shujo Muhensei Gando, you're chanting about some future many kalpas from now when you have saved all beings. The Buddha said, how wonderful. From the very beginning, I and all beings together are enlightened. But we are also confused, like Angulimala, confused by the hateful demands of false teachers, false idols. And we let our minds run around chasing phantoms. And so it's important that we stop. And that's what Zen meditation is. Not lifeless, not trying to cram down the thoughts and emotions that are within us. Not running away from whatever arises, whether it is joy, euphoria, fear, dread, grief, pleasant, unpleasant, not running away from any of it, but not being deceived by any of it, not being carried away. holding firm to the center. There is already wisdom. 
when first you sit. And not just when you sit. Eno talks about one practice samadhi. One practice samadhi means at all times, whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down. Always practice with a straightforward mind. It's a wonderful phrase, straightforward mind. You have to find for yourself exactly what a straightforward mind is. A mind that isn't bent. A mind that doesn't have a hidden agenda. A mind that is absorbed in the activity. That expresses with clarity and awareness. Whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down whether talking or being silent. Practicing with a straightforward mind. The Vimalakirti Sutra says a straightforward mind is the place of enlightenment. In Katsuki Sekida's translation and exposition of the two Zen classics of the Gateless Gate and the Hekigan Roku, he talks quite a bit about absolute samadhi and positive samadhi. Absolute samadhi being the deep stillness that may be achieved in Zazen practice. The depthless stillness. And positive samadhi being the absorption that you carry into everyday activities, walking, sitting, lying down with a straightforward mind. Simply practice with a straightforward mind and don't become attached to any dharma. 
to any phenomena. Simply practice with a straightforward mind. Simply live with a straightforward mind. This distinction between practice and life is shadowy. We practice to live, we live to practice. The more you practice, the more the boundaries between the cushion and the world outside the zendo become blurred and we have the same approach. Rinzai was always talking about how we become attached to words, concepts, teachings, and how we need to liberate ourselves from all of that. Deluded people who cling to the external attributes of a dharma get hold of one practice samadhi and just say that sitting motionless, eliminating delusions and not thinking thoughts are one practice samadhi. That's what Eno said. And generations later, Rinzai was saying exactly the same thing. If that were true, a dharma like that would be the same as lifelessness and would constitute an obstruction of the way instead. So don't talk about good zazen and bad zazen. Talk about lifeless zazen, lifeless practice, dead zazen, dead practice, or practice that is fluid, free. Not caught up in judging good and bad. Not caught up in the goal of enlightenment or the goal of becoming a Buddha. 
whether you feel like it or not, when you sit down to Zazen, you already have the Buddha mind. You simply have to stop chasing phantoms. And to stop chasing phantoms, first you have to be aware that the phantoms are there and look at them, wave hello. Don't be afraid of them. Don't hate them. Don't hate yourself for having them. Just wave hello. And then continue to sit. The way has to flow freely. I think so much of the practice of meditation the practice of sitting is just about how to sit with this kind of fluidity. Letting the breath flow, letting the mind settle not chasing, but not trying to stop anything from arising. Simply watching, being with, letting the energy flow, letting the breath flow, letting the mind flow and not grasping on to anything. I've been talking all this time, assuming that everybody knows who I'm referring to when I talk about Eno Daikon Zenji Wineng. And I think most of the people listening have heard the name and know something about him. But perhaps it would be a good idea to just share a little bit of his life 
assuming that the traditions passed on about his life are correct. He was born in the south of China. At a time when China was divided into kingdoms and Northerners did not have a very high opinion of Southerners. You can imagine what a sophisticate from New York City thinks of a Cajun swamp rat or someone from Mississippi. someone illiterate from Mississippi because Eno was illiterate. Eno's father died when he was very young and his family grew up very poor. And Eno had to make a living for his mother from the time he was very small, gathering firewood And he worked diligently. And the story goes that one day he heard someone passing through the village reciting the Diamond Sutra. And when he heard that, his Dharma eye was opened. He was still very young at the time, perhaps a teenager. But he saw clearly the truth of the Diamond Sutra. Saw clearly the illusion of a separate ego, a separate self. So clearly that we are an expression of temporary conditions. And he resolved to find a teacher under whom he could expand his understanding. And so he traveled to the north where southerners were considered barbarians. And being illiterate, he did not read the sutras, but eventually had them read to him. And when he arrived, In the temple, he spoke to the master and showed his understanding right away. And the master understood right away that this illiterate barbarian from the South was a worthy Dharma heir.
that he already had all the prajna, all the wisdom clearly before him. And eventually the robe and bowl that were the symbols of authority, the symbols of the master, the teacher, were handed over to Eno. But Eno was told by the master, take these and go, hide yourself because the other students are not going to understand. Sounds a little bit like Angulimala. Angulimala, the brilliant student who was to succeed the teacher, but the teacher had his mind turned against him by the jealous students. Here, the teacher is not turned against Aino, but he knows the mind of those students. He knows the jealousy, the attachment. the pride and ambition. And he warns Aino to hide himself. And Aino is chased into the mountains. And one by one, all of the students fall back, except one a particularly fierce individual. I said that this particular individual had been a general before becoming a monk. And he chases Eno and chases him and chases him until finally Eno puts the robe and bowl down on the floor and asks, have you come for the robe and the bowl or have you come for the true teaching? And just like Angulimala coming to the Buddha And the Buddha saying, I have stopped Angulimala. And Angulimala having his heart broken. This general monk, this fearless, dogged, persistent monk who has chased Eno into the furthest 
recesses of the mountains. Falls down in front of Aino and says, I've come for the teaching. Teach me, lay brother. And Aino asks him, thinking neither good nor evil. What is your true nature? And at that moment, this fierce general monk who has been chasing after Eno has his heart broken and his mind opened. And he clearly sees his true nature. And this is meditation, one practice samadhi and prajna. To have your heart broken, to have your mind opened, to hold on to nothing and to see your true nature. And later, Eno returned to the assembly as the teacher. And his teachings were recorded by his students and published as the Platform Sutra. And Eno said, Good friends, what are prajna and samadhi like? They're like a lamp and its light. When there's a lamp, there's a light. When there's no lamp, there's no light. The lamp is the light's body and light is the lamp's function. They have two names, but not two bodies. This teaching concerning meditation and wisdom is also like this. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.